Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles. And this week, I want to kind of dive into an idea that I think we all kind of struggle with. And this is, especially as we look at some of the things that are currently happening today, if we look at some of the movements that are going on around different tools, technologies, things that we see happening in society. And for all of us, there's this really big question about what is the value of creativity and what do we even mean by creativity? When I look at a lot of the things that are mentioned and used in language today, when I look at things that are said on social media, when I look at things that are said on main programming news, this idea of embracing creativity and balancing that against some of the new generative technologies, generative AI, uh, some of these other things that are going on, it seems to be a really big question. What does creativity really mean? And does it still have any value? And it's one of those things I got into with a friend of mine this weekend. I was was going over and I'm trying to prepare for some workshops that are coming up at DragonCon in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm updating some of the, the presentations and things that I typically do. Uh, last week, I had my second edition of my Business Essentials for Writers book come out. And the biggest change that was in the book was I added an entire new chapter around generative AI technologies, uh, the ways we can look at using them ethically, as well as a lot of the problems we have to acknowledge. And was looking at um, and talking to a friend of mine who is working on a book project and was asking a lot of questions around using ChatGPT as, quote unquote, their co-author. And or and I went and I said, ChatGPT is not an author. It can't be. And it can't be your co-author. And this is an idea I've seen thrown around a lot as of late, especially in entrepreneurial circles, especially in a lot of the kind of business circles with people that are looking for shortcuts to go and deliver things more quickly. And I was trying to go through and was thinking why was this so frustrating to me? Why was it so challenging to me to look at and try to explain why this particular technology ultimately was going to be problematic the way they were looking to use it? And the way they were looking to use it was to put out a 20,000 word book. And pretty much their thought was, I can just plug it in chat GPT and I will have a book at the end of a day. You know, I can have it done and it'll just be out and done. And I looked at them and I said, okay, so are you are you actually listening to the words that you're using? And part of this inspiration came from an ad that I keep seeing on Facebook every time I go on the platform. Um, and it's one of these things that goes out there and says, hey, be an author. You can have a book after a day. I look at people that are going out there and putting in there, oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. This is great. And again, these are new technologies. They're here. They're not going away. And there are ways that we can look to use and leverage them. However, if you're looking to use something like this 
as in essence a a tool to crank out work for you just so that you can put your name on something that's not creativity that is not even really truly reflecting your ideas it's not reflecting what you're trying to do and i looked at them and i said okay let's let's talk through your business let's talk through how you think this is going to help what you do right i said so you're talking about taking a tool and a technology that is going to just crank a bunch of words out you're going to put a cover on it and you're going to publish that and say that that's your work and as we went through this they were starting to, to get a little bit of an idea here because one of the things about creativity is this one of the first things becomes what is creativity how do we define it and in this kind of a space why is it important and in terms of their business their business model the things that they're doing um i looked at it and i said okay you describe yourself as a creative business in terms of being innovative about the solutions you present you present yourselves as being creative in the ways that you approach problems this is part of what's built you a brand in how you do what you do. And I said, so why would you approach something that is so inherently a creative practice? Why would you approach something like that in such a non-creative way? And they said, well, this is being creative. This is leveraging tools and technologies to come out here and deliver something very quickly. We're getting speed to market. And I looked and I said, yes, but what are you delivering? It's not you. It's not yours. I said, the act of being a writer means that you've written. The act of going out there and using one of these tools to generate something for you that might be lightly edited, add a little bit of spin to it, and then push it out the door, that's being a prompt generator. That's not being a writer. I said, as we were going through and in talking this through, I presented an idea. I said, does the idea that you went to Ikea and bought a bookshelf, came home and put it together, make you a carpenter or a cabinet maker? And they looked at me and I said, no, it means you didn't build the fundamental skill sets to get down to the piece of furniture you're wanting in the back of the corner. If you've gone to Ikea and you've put something in the back of the corner, because it was fast and cheap, it was to fill a need. But it doesn't mean that you've got something in the back that's unique. It's not something that represents you. And it's not something that represents the skill sets, ideas, and innovation you try to bring out. And they looked at me and it was starting, as we were going through and starting to argue about this, it was starting to set in this idea of if you have unique skills, unique ideas, and unique approaches. This is the value of creativity. Creativity is not because you're coming up with something that is so absolutely new and unique, it's never been thought of before. Does it happen? Absolutely. But very, very rarely. Real creativity, whether it is in fiction, entertainment, business, technology, any of these spaces, real creativity means that you're looking at a question, a situation, a problem, 
and you're taking all of that unique experience and knowledge and an often very particular knowledge and experience, whether it's life experience, whether it is specific training, industry knowledge, whatever it is, it's looking at things in that very specific and unique way that is yours to go and bring that way, new way of looking at something to life. That is real creativity. And as we walked through this, I said, this is what you do for clients. So this is now what you're looking to use to showcase that viewpoint on the world is to leverage something that doesn't really represent you, your ideas, your approach to the world. It is just leveraging a tool that's going to throw some words to paper that you're then going to rehash. And Based on some of the AI projects I am currently involved in, this is one of the challenges that we've got where we're currently trying to balance this back and forth. Fundamentally, these generative AI technologies cannot be creative. What they can do is respond to a prompt, a question, an inquiry, and give you what an average 10th grader is going to give you back in terms of an answer but it may not be accurate, it may not be right. But the one thing I can guarantee is that it doesn't reflect you. It doesn't reflect your ideas, your style, your thoughts. It reflects a blender. And this is really one of the biggest problems we have with all of these technologies. One of the biggest risks I see to our society. These generative technologies, and this is one of the pieces I wrote a, a lot about in the, the, ch the chapter of the new book. One of the big problems I see is that we are destroying creativity. It's not that these tools are inherently bad or evil. It's the way we're using them. And it was this conversation this morning that really started to kind of cement what I see as being the biggest problems and biggest challenges around the way technology is starting to work and the way we approach it. It's not that there's something wrong with the technology itself. I've spoken about the fact that my biggest challenge with generative AI is largely the way it's been taught is because we have leveraged a lot of licensed intellectual property, images, sounds, music, written works and use those copyrighted and protected works to teach and train these systems. And we've done that without the permission or compensation of the people that owned those ideas, those thoughts. And what we're seeing a lot of people now do are churn proprietary ideas, proprietary knowledge, proprietary data, and pour them into these systems with the idea that they don't necessarily recognize that they're losing potentially some, or maybe even depending on how the courts start to land on this, all of the rights to their IP that they're pouring in. And this has been one of the big concerns I've had is looking that idea of ownership of ideas, ownership of execution. Because as we all know, you cannot protect an idea. Copyrights do not protect ideas. Trademarks do not protect ideas. 
patents do not protect ideas. These things protect the way we actually execute on them. And this is the reason that this is, is becoming a problem is because these technologies are meant to protect the ideas of the human mind. These tools, these technologies that are out there are culminations of products of the human mind taken, regurgitated, and boiled down to a lowest common denominator. There's value there. There's ideas there. There's ways that we can use and leverage these technologies. However, what I've also watched is becoming a bigger and bigger problem is this. It's making us way lazier. It's taking away that idea and the value of the creative spark. When I look at some of the things that are currently going on with Hollywood, writer strike, SAG, these strikes that are going on and the fears about these generative technologies, replacing people in the writer's rooms, replacing actors, reuse of likenesses. All of this is a problem because it is really eliminating creativity and the opportunity for new and random and different ways of approaching the world. We're replacing those with more and more generic ideas, generic actions, and fundamentally, we're also potentially going to use these technologies in ways that factually are not representative. For example, we've already seen a number of lawsuits come out um, around how these IPs were developed and they're being used. We've seen attorneys present legal briefs that were entirely written by ChatGPT, citing non-existent cases. These technologies don't know what is fact fiction. They cannot discriminate between something that is a piece of fiction and something that is a scientific fact or a legal fact or something along those lines. So while there's benefit to a lot of these things, it allows us to maybe play with ideas. It allows us to gauge realities. It allows us to test things the end of the day, they're not creative. So where are we going to land in this? Because as people look for more and more shortcuts, as people look to get faster and faster, we're seeing a wider spread here. And I'm going to look specifically at the publishing industry a minute because this is one of the places it's really easy to see this widening gap between people that are spreading over and trying to truly be creative and innovative and bring new work to the marketplace versus people that are looking to move and deliver fast, cheap, and fundamentally the junk food version of written work. And this is one of those things that's not new. I mean, we look for ways to, to cheat, to deliver things. And not every piece of written work has to be great literature. Not every piece of work has to be anything more than fun or enjoyable. But what we do see happening and have seen this for a while, we've seen this out of people that teach others how to create a book farm where, you know, rents off the serial numbers. We have entire publishing industries geared around the idea of rents off the serial numbers and 
maybe change up a few names, and you have fundamentally rinse and repeat with stories. There's market for that. There's there is a place for some of that. And it's been there for as long as the publishing industry has been around. However, when we also look at this and we look at what people are complaining about, when we look at what the consuming community is saying, they're coming and talking about the fact of give me something new, give me something original, give me, just give me something. And this is, I think, part of what's contributing to as we look at the film industry and the number of movie flops that have been coming through. Um, when we look at storytelling, when we look at the decline of overall consumption of media, a lot of this, I think, is because we've now tried to produce so much so fast that most things get lost in the background because there's nothing new to them. There's no real quality to them. Even if something is an original work, by the time it's taken, done, and run through the corporate machine, it's so genericized, you can't tell one from another. It is a few standout works that really grab that cultural view. They grab that cultural zeitgeist and people want to see, they want to read, they want to watch, they want to hear. And this to me is where the value of creativity is. This is where for those people that are going to be and stick to their guns and be original about their creativity. Put in the work. To me, I think the big value of this is the difference between being creative and being a creative is really how you value your worldview and what you deliver to your audience. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? Well, if I am focused on how much can I generate out the door, I don't care about quality, that's a corporate model. If I am generating something because it is an idea, a thought, a vision that is important to me, that maybe it is fiction, maybe it's nonfiction, maybe it's a memoir, my particular take on it is what's really important. And that is what's going to make the difference with the reader, the viewer, the consumer, are they going to get something out of it that is original and unique and makes a difference? Well, hopefully the answer is yes. Do we need that in everything? Well, obviously the answer to that is no, because there are a lot of things that all I need to know is the piece of information. This is the reason search engines exist. This is the reason that we can see the same article regurgitated across 800 different news channels and, and different publications and social media is because somebody is talking about the particular thing. But even there, it still becomes important as to what viewpoint, idea, spin, opinion you put upon it, because that's what grabs attention. That's what causes people to think and either agree or disagree with your view. So to me, this is still the value of creativity. As we watch more and more people trade creativity, creative thought, and innovation for speed and 
fundamentally laziness. There is a happy sweet spot between the two where we learn to use technologies to the level to which we're comfortable and that bring benefit, but that they do that to inspire and expedite and give us greater productivity with our creativity, not to, not to really replace it. It can augment it, but not replace it. And this is one of the things where I think we're getting lost very quickly. And this to me is also where I see a lot of fear. Fear that people are going to be replaced by these technologies. Fear that people are going to lose their way, their vision, because of the product of these technologies. And what I want to tell you is the answer is no. If you maintain and hold on to your grip for real creativity, for real innovation, for bringing your viewpoint, your voice to the world, and you can still stand behind that, that will be the ways that you stand out going in the future. That's going to be the way that you build a long-term name, a long-term brand, a long-term audience. And is it work? Absolutely. This, I think, is where we are getting lost is we are trying to trade the work and the effort and the results of our work for, hey, can I just go make a quick buck? Can I just go do something fast and put my name onto something instead of something that I've created, I've brought into existence, I've put my unique take and my unique spin on it. So this is where I want you to hold on to that faith is that there is value in this and that people will continue to see that value. So how do you go about this? Where do you go about making sure you maintain and own this credit, you know, this creative strike, this creative engine, this creative spark? Because this and these are the people that are going to make a difference in the next year, the next decade, the next century, are the people that understand that tools are tools. But what is important is that human spark. It is that idea of the human mind. It is the ability to blend the tools that are available to me and use them in a way and train myself to use them in a right way. If I am a carpenter, I'm going to know I use my hammer for a nail and the screwdriver for the screw. I don't look at everything as a nail. I don't look at everything as something to be cut or broken or hammered into. There are techniques. There are skills. These are the things that are getting lost by people that are trying to shortcut using these tools. And if you're one of those people who's trying to shortcut, one of the fundamental lessons that we all learn by the act of doing, by the act of creating, is you have to learn what the rules are. If you know what the rules are, then you can make a conscious decision about how to break them. If you know what the expectations are for a particular genre or for a particular deliverable for your readers, 
And then you want to leverage tools and technologies to speed up research and to speed up ideas. That's where these tools and technologies can be very valuable. But if you expect that they're going to replace you and put your name on the product of what is in essence the boil down, distilled down derivative work, and that's what you're going to put your name on, then fundamentally you're representing yourself as just another one in the marketplace, another piece of broken down, distilled down, generic product. We have enough of that in the marketplace. If you're listening to me and you're out there, hopefully that's not the place you want to be. Hopefully you want to be the person that stands out because you have that unique value. You have that unique view. And that's what you want to share with the world. So how do we make sure we continue to stoke that creativity, that creative fire, and not trade any of that for fundamentally using some of these tools and technologies and lose that spark, lose that view, and lose delivering that to our audience? Well, first of all, know what it is that is your message. Know what it is that has meaning to you. Know what it is you want to tear or tell and share with the world. That's never changed. That's saying the same thing is true regardless of how you plan to do it. And when we do that, the next thing we have to do is make sure that we understand that concept as best we can, whether that's personal experience, whether that's research. And that's where these tools can come into play is to give you ideas for research and how things are viewed or recombined. And then we have to take all that collection of knowledge, experience, research, and we pour that into our own creative bucket. We put that into a blender that's inside of ourselves. We take that and we look for that spark that gives us that new, unique view, that slightly different take, or maybe even that very different take on an idea in the world. Then we have to take a risk. We have to take the risk that we're going to find the audience or keep our audience. We have to take the idea that that risk, that our view of the world is something that's going to resonate. We have to take that risk that it is worth it to do that. Whether our audience is one or millions, it's a risk every time. And that is part of the joy of creativity. It is better to have written, to have created, to have brought something into the world, than to sit there and look at it and debate whether or not you're going to do the work. So this engine is how we continue to feed and really motivate our creativity. And if we're continuing to do that, then we can find ways of leveraging these tools, using these tools, because they're not going away. I know that there's a lot of people that are fearful of these generative tools because they are changing the world rapidly. They are going to change the way that most of us work. They're going to, cons they're going to change the way that most of us consume information. 
they're going to really change a lot about our lives. But it doesn't have to destroy creativity. So until next week, let's go find a way to feed that creativity. And we'll see you again. This has been Creating Pros. And I'm your host, Jim Nettles.